It's not our job to get the audience to understand who we are. It's not our job to get the audience to know what we're capable of. It's not our job to get the audience to be impressed by us. Our job is to get the audience to understand that we understand them. This is the Authority Builder Podcast. This is the place to come if you're building a professional practice and you want to be seen as the leader in your market. We're going to interview the top experts throughout professional services, and we're going to share insights with you to help you grow your firm and be positioned as the only choice that clients ever want. Welcome to the Authority Builder Podcast. My name is Steve Gordon. I'm your host today, and we've got an amazing interview for you. Uh, If you have ever considered speaking and not just speaking to maybe get clients, although we'll talk about that, but speaking to get paid, we've got an interview for you today. I'm talking with Steve Lowell. He is a multi-award winning speaker, three-time number one best-selling author and master trainer for high-impact speakers with a track record that absolutely speaks for itself. He is a past president of the Global Speakers Foundation and a past national president of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. He's given over 3,500 keynote speeches, 5,000 seminars. He's trained more than 500,000 speakers globally, so he really knows his stuff. And he's on a mission to train people to craft their signature talk, scale their influence, and create more business through speaking. I'm really excited to be able to bring him to you. Steve Lowell, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks so much for inviting me, Steve. It's great to be here. So you have done all things speaking, I think, and I would love for you to give uh, the audience just a little taste of your background beyond the bio so they've got some context for, for what got you to this stage of life. Yeah, sure, sure. So I've actually been on the stage, the live stage, since the age of six. Uh, now, I'm, you know, six, 60 years old right now. So, <laughs> you know, you have to do the math. But what happened at, at six years old, and I'm not going to do this chronologically, so I'm not going to take up, you know, 60 years to, <laughs> to describe this. But at six years old, um, I played my guitar. I was a little guitar guy with big, thick glasses, and I could barely reach over the guitar to play. But I, I went on stage at school, and I played the guitar, and, and, uh, and I started telling stories and telling jokes, and I absolutely fell in love with being in front of an audience. And so by the time I was in my early teens, I had my own band and I was the front man in the band. And then we got into late teens, early 20s, and we, I became a professional musician and we were touring the country and making records. And, and I was always the front man of the band. But then what happened is over several years, the band broke up and I ended up doing this solo show. So there was just me and my guitar and I'm singing all these songs. And I was never the singer in the band. Like I did some backups, but I was never the singer. So all of a sudden I'm by myself and I'm playing the guitar and I'm singing in all these bars. And, and this is what I say, you know, Steve, I I say people, people would come up to me, they'd hear me sing and they'd say, you know, Steve, maybe you should just say the words. And so uh, that's how I became a speaker. And so I started working with uh, the Dale Carnegie Training Organization because I figured, you know, if I'm going to be a speaker um, and I saw a a Zig Ziglar video and I thought, oh, that's the best job in the world, man. I mean, he's he's got no equipment. He's all by himself. He doesn't have to sing on key. His audience isn't drunk. I mean, it's all looks all really good. So I joined the Dale Carnegie Organization and I went through all their courses and then I went to work for them and I became um, trained as a Dale Carnegie instructor. But the issue was the day came for me to sign the contract to become a Dale Carnegie instructor. But the reality is I didn't actually believe in a lot of the things that they were teaching. And I couldn't actually sign the contract 
So, because it, well, I couldn't do it in good conscience and I knew I'd be bound to teaching things that I didn't really believe in. So, so I left there and I started my own training company. And then over years, um, I, you know, I've spoken all, all over the world and I've trained uh, over half a million people through online programs and group programs and, you know, collectively, you know, not half a million one-on-one because that would be really uh, intense, uh, but through all my programs. Um, and so here I am, this is, this is what I do now. I, I speak on, on stages, on virtual stages and, and my mission is to take people who have a message, people who have a story and help them craft that message, bring it to the live or virtual stage so that they can have the impact that they were meant to have and make the money that they were meant to make through the spoken word. I love it. So I'm going to start with kind of a basic question. Why speaking? You know, I think it's this. I, I get that question a lot and there's a lot of different answers, but here's the one that keeps coming up for me. It's because I have a gift and I, I found that gift when I was with the Dale Carnegie organization. What happened was before I became trained as a speaker, I had taken all their courses and I was sitting at the back of the room watching an instructor teach the class. And in my head, I'm instructing, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking with the instructor, I'm thinking, oh, I liked what that one, I liked what he did there. I liked what she did there. I didn't like that. I would have done it differently. And then one time the instructor looked at me and he said, Steve, would you like to try coaching somebody? And I said, yes, I would. So I get in front and the person that they had me coach was this big, scary, mean guy that didn't want to be there. He was there because his boss sent him. We were on week seven of a 13-week program or something, and he was not engaged. He was not participative. He wasn't happy. So it just so happens that's, that's the guy I get. And within about two minutes, I had that guy opened up. I had him, you know, he was all in, and, and he got emotional, and he got dynamic, and he just, he was having a great time, and he never, he never went back after that. And so while that was happening, I thought to myself, this is what I want to do. I'm good at this. You know, yes, I can speak. I can get on stage in front of thousands and I have, and I can, I can do those things. But my gift is taking people who don't know they can speak and pulling magic out of them that they never knew existed. And so when I discovered that, I call that my moment. And so when I, when I discovered that gift, that sort of formulated my mission for me. And then I just started going out and helping other people to do what I could do. And then over time, a whole bunch of things happened in my life that caused me to study things like neuroscience and psychology and all these things to try and figure out some other issues that were happening in my life. And I would read all of these books on psychology and neuroscience and, and all of these things would pop out at me and I would say, oh, that's why audiences respond that way. Oh, that's why that kind of body language doesn't work. Oh, that's why these kinds of stories don't work. And I kept relating it to speaking. And so it just kept supporting the work that I was doing. And I just sort of slid into it that way. So I, I love that. And it's, it's always so interesting when you hear somebody who has sort of that, that click moment when it, it just comes together for them and they're now clear about what they're supposed to be doing. Um, I want to ask the question now from a different perspective. So for a listener who's listening to us right now, why should they choose to speak to an audience? Well, I don't know if they should because not everybody should. And, you know, my thought on it is just because you can speak to an audience doesn't necessarily mean you should. But here are some guidelines. If you're thinking about whether or not it's the right place for you, here's a couple of things to think about. What I found is, uh, you know, Steve, that there in, in our space, the entrepreneurial space, the you know expert space, the author space, 
I found that there are three primary motivators that seem to drive what we do. And most people can relate to one or more of these primary motivators. And, and the first one is what I call a mess. And a mess is where maybe you've got something big in your life that has set the trajectory of where you're going. And, and maybe it's an illness, an accident, maybe it's some sort of a spiritual crisis, maybe it's a marital crisis, it's something big. And you consider this to be a big story in your life, a, you know, a foundational piece in your life. And so that's one. Sometimes we have this big story and we want to bring that story to the world and we want to help people understand what we've learned from our story. And we want to share the message of our story to the benefit of others. So that is one motivator. And, and maybe some of your listeners have a mess. Uh, I don't have a mess. A lot of my clients have a big mess, um, but I don't have a mess. But I do have, and maybe some of your listeners have, that moment, like I mentioned before, a moment in time uh, or a series of moments in time where you realized what your gift was, where you had that aha moment where you said to yourself, this is what I want to do. I'm good at this. I want to follow this. And sometimes it just drops out of the ether. It's unexpected, but there it is. And it just hits you and you go, wow, there it is. So that's what happened to me. And it, I've heard it happen to a lot of other people. So maybe some of your listeners and viewers have that, have a moment, but maybe they don't. Maybe they don't have a mess and maybe they don't have a moment. And if they don't have a mess or moment, then chances are excellent they have what I call a mission. And that is that there's this cause that they want to evangelize. There's a bigger purpose for them here. There's something that they want to change or influence. There's part of this world that they want to make better because they were here than it is, you know, when they, when they got here. And so that is oftentimes what we have. And so, you know, when I ask an audience this, you know, put up your hand if you can relate to one or more of those, you know, a hundred percent go up almost every single time. But here's the next piece. Once we have these motivators, if we, if we have a story that we want to share, if we have a big moment that we want to pursue, if we want a mission that we want to evangelize, the next logical step is to create a message that supports that motivation and take it to the world. And so there are various ways to take it to the world. And books, of course, is, is one of them. And that's, you know, I've done that. I've got multiple books and I, you know, you've got multiple books and this is a natural step for us to take. I'm going to write my story in a book. I'm going to take my mess, you know, my moment and all the skills I developed to put it in a book. And I want to take my mission. I want to put it in a book. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But then the next step to that, to bringing that message to the world after writing the book or even before writing the book is take it to a live audience, take it to a stage live or take it to a stage virtual or video even or you know uh, vlogs or however you can get in front of people so that they can see you and hear you and you can engage with them. That just takes your message, your moment, your mission to a much higher level. And there's so many people, Steve, I know you've met them. I, I know you have where they've got an amazing story. They've got amazing gifts, talent, wisdom, ideas, creativity, and the world needs what they have. And I kind of feel like it's my job to participate in helping them bring that to the world, just like you do with your work. And so why speaking? You know, why not speaking? Because it's a natural progression of getting your message out there to the world. Great answer. I love that. So you have a concept called the, the $100,000 speech. And mm -hmm. I would love to hear about that because I, I will tell you, probably a third of the, the authors that we work with, when they come to us, they come to us to write a book, and one of their stated goals after the book is, I want to get on stages, I want to be paid to speak, or I want to use it to, to get on stages so I can attract clients, you know, but they have speaking as a goal. And, um, yeah. and I think you've really distilled this into a process that I'd love to, to unpack a little bit today. Sure, we can we can certainly talk about that. So so 
the, the process is called the, hundred, the Art of the $100,000 Signature Talk. And those words are very specific in their application. So we call it the art. And the reason we call it the art is because there really is an art, not just to crafting a message and getting in front of an audience, but crafting a message, getting in front of an audience and delivering it in a way that drives business. So there's an art to that. And I'll talk about some of those features if you like. So there's an art to the 100K, $100,000. The reason why we chose that number is because what we found is that in, in this space, the service expert space, the entrepreneurial space, the coaches, trainers, authors, consultants, you know, in that space, there's this $100,000 milestone through speaking. Now there's, you know, there's, you know how there's the seven figure milestone in business. I mean, you wrote a book on it, right? The, so there's the seven figure milestone in business and through speaking, there seems to be this $100,000 milestone where people think someday, someday you would ever be cool, you know, to get in front of an audience and walk away with $100,000 in business. So we chose $100,000 because it is a known milestone. And then the next piece is the signature talk. And the reason why I chose the word signature talk is because having a signature talk and a signature is just like your, your signature. What it's for is, is something that people can identify you as, something people can attach your name and your face to. And if you get up in front of an audience to just talk about whatever, there's nothing for them to attach you to. So it's the art of the 100K signature talk. And all those things are very deliberately planned. And so here are some of the, some of the things that, that go into that. Okay, Instead of just taking your book and telling your story in front of your audience or taking your, your book and sharing your expertise in front of an audience, consider this. Consider the fact that every single one of your competitors are doing exactly that. That's what they do. And so there's a fundamental principle that, that the first belief that we have to wrap our arms around if we want to take any kind of a talk and turn it into revenue, and that is this. We need to understand this. It's not our job to get the audience to understand who we are. It's not our job to get the audience to know what we're capable of. It's not our job to get the audience to be impressed by us. Our job is to get the audience to understand that we understand them, you see. So if you're in the audience, you need to, you know, your audience needs to look at you, watch you speak, and they need to go, you know what? She gets me. He gets me. She understands me. And if that doesn't happen, then there's never going to be any significant sales. And so many of uh, uh, fledgling speakers, they'll get in front of an audience and they'll think if they could just understand my process, if they could just see how good I am, if they could just understand my story and the significance of my story, and if they could just understand how I can help them. And all of that is the exact opposite mindset because all of that is thinking if they understand me, then they're going to want to hire me. No, they're not. If they understand you, they're going to compare you to everybody else who does what you do. And now you're in this competitive state and, all, and this is where you start doing things like lowering your price and competing on fees and throwing in bonuses and all to, to, to get the business, right? Our job is to get the audience to say, you know what? You understand me. You get me. That's job number one. And, and when you think about it that way, that changes the way you use stories. It changes the way you plan your talk. It changes the way you deliver your talk. It changes what you offer. It changes everything because our main function is to get the audience to think, I, I understand you. I get you. Then the audience cares about all the other things. So I'd say, you know, we could go on for hours about this, but that's the number one mindset shift that I think we need to make when we step on a stage or in front of a screen. That's phenomenal. I'm just having flashbacks to the very first speech I ever gave. I was right out of college um, and uh, very first job. 
And for whatever reason, the president of the company thought that I should help him deliver a talk to a bunch of potential clients. And it was awful. It was completely awful. <laughs> and I didn't follow your advice at all, um, aside from delivering it poorly. So, yeah, th- I appreciate the flashback and the, and the memory. <laughs> but I think a lot of You're people welcome. listening are probably going, yeah, the, I gave a talk last week and it was all, you know, about me. Um, yeah. So how do you get to a place where you can convey to the audience that you understand them? It doesn't, it doesn't sound like a simple thing, but I would imagine you've got a simple answer for it. Well, um, the first thing is, is this, you know, there's this old adage um, in speaking and, and anybody who's ever done any speaker training knows this. One of the first things that comes up is know your audience. Um, and, that, and that is true, but it's not nearly enough. What we need to understand is, uh, and here's another one we hear is know what their pain is. And that's also true, but it's not nearly enough. What we need to do is we need to think about our audience's experience. What do they experience within the nature of their condition? So here's what I do with, with clients is, is, is this. Say, close your eyes and, and I'll say, put yourself in, in your typical audience's position. You know, you have an avatar, right? Whoever your audience is. And put yourself in their, in their shoes. I mean, you're in their body and you're looking around their life. You're looking around the room they're in. You're looking through their family, through their work, and you're you know, figuratively looking around in their life. What is it that they see that bothers them? What is it that they see that they don't want to see? What are they hearing that they don't want to hear? What are they feeling that they don't want to feel? And we have to be able to build this image in the audience's mind so that they go, that, I get that. I see that. I hear that. I feel that. I'll give you a really cool example. That It's not about speaking, but, um, but it's a good example to kind of... Uh, defines the point. You uh, you know M and M's M and M's candies. Yes. Hey, do, do you know what the big big slogan was that made them so famous? Melt in your mouth, not in your hands. Melt in your mouth, not in your hands. Right now, do you think that would have been as effective if they said, "Don't it won't melt until it becomes in direct contact with human saliva." <laughs> No. It's not likely to be effective right. right now because that doesn't convey what the audience sees. The reason why that slogan is so um, uh, so strong is because melt in your mouth, not in your hands. It points a it puts a picture in the audience's mind, and they go, oh, "They're right." You know, I got my kid, he's, they're eating candy, he or she's eating candy, they're putting it all over the clothes, they're sticking it all over the wall, and I'm constantly wiping them off. Melts in the mouth, not in their hands. I get that. And so that's what we need to do as speakers. We need to put that visual in the audience's mind. So the audience goes, yeah, I get that. I, this person gets me. And there's a whole bunch more of them like that. You know, Kentucky Fried Chicken um, used to do uh, finger licking good, you know. And these are, there's a whole bunch of these things. Another one of my favorites uh, is um, Buckley's Cough Syrup. Do you know Buckley's Cough Syrup? I do not. There's this one in Canada, Buckley's Cough Syrup, and their slogan for years was, tastes awful and it works, <laughs> right? And, 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 it, and the people go, oh, that's, that's, that's what I need. And because they know their audience is thinking, if it doesn't taste awful, then it's not cough syrup. It's got to taste awful to work. This one tastes awful and it works. So now those are just silly examples of how knowing your audience at a different level is important. And as speakers, we need to do exactly the same thing. We need to be able to paint pictures in the audience's mind. And it's a picture of the problem that they see every day that they want solved and haven't been able to solve. So it's more than just telling them about your solution and your five secrets to this and your four strategies to that and your new process to this. All of that stuff is absolutely useless for, useless for selling who you are and what you do. What we need to do is we need to help them get clarity around the problem that we're solving, not try and solve it. That's, yeah, I think that's brilliant. Um, and I think that that takes away 
One of the biggest fears that I know a, a lot of professionals have when they go to speak, which is, am I giving away too much? Mm -hmm. But you've just, as you've just laid out, we're not, we're not necessarily trying to solve the problem for them and give it all away. We just need them to have more clarity at the end of the experience with us than they had at the beginning. Absolutely. And that, that is one of the biggest barriers to monetizing when you speak is teaching too much. And I know I did that for decades um, and I couldn't figure out why, why are they not buying? I mean, it's such great stuff, you know, and I'm so good at what I do and all of that that everybody says. And, you know, if they could only see what I could do, if they could only try me out, if they only understood me better, if they only got me, they would hire me. And, and, and so if I teach them more, they're going to understand me. They're going to be so dazzled by all the great things I can teach them. They're going to hire me, but they don't because they walk out the door thinking their problem has been solved. But what I've learned is, that clarity around their problem is the value. And then they want it solved. And when we try and solve their problems, we are speaking ourselves right out of work. Well, and you're also speaking them out of the solution because they're not going to walk out of there having solved the problem. They just right. have intellectually been shown how to solve it. But it's, not, it's not solved in reality. And, and I think part of what happens, and maybe this was uncovered in some of the, the research you were doing around psychology, I think what happens there is that the, the, there's a little checkbox in the brain that says, okay, we got this done, even though it hasn't been in reality. Um, and so it sort of lets them off the hook. Whereas the clarity now just, I think, gives them the ability to act, to solve it, to engage with you, to move forward. And I, I don't know, is that, does that jive with anything that you've discovered? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so um, there's, you know, there's these, there's all different kinds of biases inside our, our brain. And one of them is confirmation bias. And what happens is when, what you just said is when they think, oh, now I know how to do this. They step out and they try to do it and it doesn't work well, but their confirmation bias looks for information and looks for validation that it did work even to a minute degree. And if they see any indication of success, then they cling to that. Uh, but at the end of the day, they don't make any forward progress. And so our job is not to leave them with, you know, this false sense of security that they can now solve their problem. Our job is to leave them with a desire to solve the problem through us. Absolutely. And, and, um, and really, get, get, I think, get them to that heightened state. So for somebody who's listening to this, who maybe, you know, like most professionals have given talks before. Right. And we come across a lot of professionals who want to do more of that, either to acquire clients or to get paid. What's the best sort of path into this? Is it mm -hmm. I've got to get the, the signature talk in place? I've got to get my message down first? Is it I just go start giving talks to audiences and see what lands? How, how, do, how would one approach this? So first, I think, is to establish the expectations. So, you know, you've mentioned this a couple of times and it's very, very common is they want to you know, speak and get paid. So the first thing that I think people need to understand is the multiple ways in which you, in which you can monetize speaking. And the default is I want to go and speak and be paid. And that, that's you can do that. There's opportunity to do that. Of, of course, there is. That is the lowest level of pay, and it's the hardest earned, and it's the hardest to get into, and it's the least sustainable 
of, of all of the ways to get paid. So I don't do that anymore. I've raised my speaking fees so high that nobody hires me to do that. And if they do, I'm gladly going to go do it because my speaker fees are so high. But that's one that I've set aside because it's, it's just not sustainable. It's not, you know, it's not practical for most people. It's difficult to break in, very high barriers of entry, and it's very low pay for your work. So at the other end of the scale is the speak to sell. Right. And those words scare people, you know, and I, I listened to some of your podcast episodes and you had my buddy David Newman on there and and he in his podcast with you, he said, you know, get the word sell right out of your vocabulary, you know, and this is what we have to do as speakers. If we're bothered by the concept of selling from the stage, get the word sell out and replace it with the word serve if you like. But here's what we need to do. And this is where the real opportunity is. And this is why we have the art of the 100K signature talk is because it allows you to get in front of an audience and actually generate business that way and generate more clients or sell online programs, sell your books, sell whatever it is that you have, and, and we do it without all the really high pressure sales stuff. So if we take that world and break it down into those two spaces, you got the, the speak to for a fee and you got the speak to sell or speak to monetize. In the speak to monetize side, there's different levels of assertiveness to do this. There's, there's the very aggressive approach where, you know, your, everything you say is tactically designed to move your product or service or get them to hire you. And, and, you know, I know lots of people do that. I can do that. I don't like to do that. I don't do it so much anymore. But then there's an assertive approach where I'm going to make an offer. They know that there's an offer coming before it comes. And, and I spend my time giving them value, giving them clarity on their problem so that the time, the time I present the offer, they're already expecting it and either they want it or they don't. And then there's a very passive approach. Passive approach is where you do a great talk and at the end you might put up a QR code and say, get my free download, my free PDF, and then they get on your list and you can follow up that way. And then there's the organic approach. The organic approach is you do a great job, you help the audience understand three things. Help the audience understand that you get them, help them understand that you're safe to deal with, and help them understand that you're actually qualified to serve them, and then let them come to you. And so the first thing we need to do is understand where are we going to play? in there. And what I really encourage speakers, unless they are celebrity status speakers, I encourage them to consider the side of speaking to monetize. Then we go through and decide what, you know, how do you want to do that? Then we craft their talk in order for them to facilitate that outcome. Then they start looking for speaking opportunities and I usually encourage them to start online. So there are summits that they can get onto. There's millions of them. Um, and you know, we're connected to people who can help, help you find those, but they're not that tough to find. You get on the online and start searching for summits in your areas of expertise, contact the organizers and say, how do I get on there? How do I get on there? And the first thing they're going to ask you is, do you have a book? That's often the very first question. So if you don't have a book and you're thinking about getting a book, get on the line with Steve's team and get your book done, right? And I, I heard on your, your podcast, uh, several book experts said the same thing. They say, just the most important thing about your book is to have the book, get it done, right? So get the book done because they're going to want that. So now you get on these uh, virtual summits and you, you hone your message, you hone your talk, you hone your skills, you hone your delivery, and then you start looking for live stages. Now, the one thing that's going to happen that's going to pop up is the concept of pay to play, where a lot of those stages that are going to allow you to make an offer are going to charge you to be on those stages. And I'll do that all day long. If the, and I do, we do lots of the places we speak. We've played, we've paid as much as $50,000 to be on a stage because I know I can go and make five times that on that stage. 
And so there's nobody, there's no corporation in the world that's going to pay me that kind of money to get on to, on their stage to speak to their audience. So you need to have some fortitude and put a little bit of risk in the game. Sometimes you can get on stages for $100. Sometimes they don't charge you at all. But you look for stages, virtual and live, that are in line with whatever your product or service is. And you just contact the organizers and say, how do I get on your stage? And they will tell you how. But it's really important to set your expectations in line first. And so it starts with, how do you want to monetize? Do you expect to be paid by corporations and associations you know, as a speaker? Or do you expect to get in front of an audience and learn how to monetize? So that's the side of the game that we play on. Well, it makes a lot of sense. We do the same thing with books. I get people all the time that, you know, they'll ask me, well, how much can I expect to make from my book? And I said, well, depends on which direction <laughs> you go. If you're talking about royalties from books, well, you might be able to buy yourself dinner once a month. If we're talking <laughs> about, you know, the business that you'll develop from it, seven figures a year if you do it well. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So I, I love that that we're very much aligned in, in that approach. I think it's the it's actually the least risk-laden approach for anyone who has a business to go and, and speak in this case. You know, they don't have to worry about being picked as the, the one who's going to get, you know, the one check. Because in a lot of events, you've got one, maybe two people, right, who are going to get the big checks. Mm-hmm. And then an awful lot of people who aren't going to get paid very much or anything to speak there. Um, yeah. You know, and um, I've got I've got several clients who have made a living out of being one of the ones who isn't getting paid, but is walking mm-hmm. away with all of all of the business oh, out yeah. of the event. Oh, yeah. And, and the difference can be huge. And that's why that's why I don't, you know, really speak for a fee anymore. And my fee is so big. I mean, they could get Bill Clinton to speak for my fee, you know, and, and I do that because I know they're not going to hire me. And, and so if I let me put it this way, if I could get in front of, let's say, a uh, hundred people who are my audience, if somebody's going to pay me, let's just say $10,000 to speak to that group um, and I can't make an offer, I'm not going to do that. But I will say to them, I will pay you $10,000 to put me in front of that audience if I can make an offer. And because I'll do that all day long because I will make 10, 12, 15 times what they were going to pay me in the first place. Mm. But, but, you know, I make it sound like it's easy. Um, it, you know, it's not easy. It's very tactical. It requires a lot of skill. It requires a lot of fortitude. It requires a lot of training. It requires a lot of practice. Um, and that's, you know, we built a business around teaching that whole thing to people. But I, if, if somebody came to me and they said, I'm a, you know, I'm an expert in this, I'm a coach, speaker, author, consultant, wh- whatever it is, I just want to ask them a couple of questions to find out, are, do they have what it takes to play on that pay to play on that speak to sell side? And if they do, then I, I want to take them there because it'll pay off much faster and much bigger than trying to find a speaker's bureau or an agent to book you at an event and then give 30% of your fee away and go speak to an audience who is lukewarm because they're being paid to be there by their boss, you know. Um, and so it's just not a space that I enjoy. Now, I have colleagues, you know, Steve, I've got colleagues all over the world and all over the world in the speaking business who make a beautiful living doing that. And, and they make seven figures. Many of them do. Um, and they love it. But they've been in the game a long time. They've got a reputation in the corporate space or in the association space around their expertise. Um, they have celebrity status in some of those areas and they get big bucks when they speak. And it's taken decades for them to get there. So it's doable. It's just really freaking hard to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. 
So if if someone is is listening to this and they're thinking, yeah, I, uh, speaking, it has been on my radar. I just have hesitated. I don't know where to get started. Where do you recommend that they begin the journey in this direction? So I think there's there's several spots. The, the first one that comes to mind, and this is the one I always start with, is Toastmasters. Um, and the reason I bring Toastmasters up is because Toastmasters is around the world. It's inexpensive. Um, they've got an excellent reputation. They've been around a long, long, long time. Uh, and they and they do some good things. So if if you're in that state where, you know, I've never done it, never spoken in front of an audience, I'm, I'm not even sure if I can, I'm kind of afraid to do it, that's not, you're not ready for me. But Toastmasters will give you a little bit of experience, they'll give you some guidance. There is a cautionary note though, and that is, um, as good as Toastmasters is, and as much of a fan as I am of Toastmasters, they do have a Toastmasters process. And and, and, and most serious Toastmasters are in Toastmasters in order to win Toastmasters competitions. So to win Toastmasters competitions, you have to follow the Toastmasters format and you have to you know, hit and check all the boxes on the Toastmasters checklist and all of that is great and you become a world champion and, and, and that's, that's all great. But there is a cavernous gap between a Toastmasters speaker and a professional speaker. And when I say professional, I mean the one that, that is going to exchange the spoken word for money. And, and monetize their message one way or the other. There's a huge gap there. And, and there's a gap in terms of the desired outcome. There's a gap in the process to achieve that outcome. There's a gap in skill sets. There's a gap in mindset. There's a gap in strategy. There's a gap in approach. And, and uh, some people have been able to bridge that gap from Toastmasters to the professional stage. I have colleagues who, who have bridged that gap. Most Toastmaster speakers who have been in Toastmasters for a long time really take a big effort to get them to bridge that gap over to the professional speaker. And I've, I've worked with many of them. Um, and people used to ask me, you know, they'd say, why do you hate Toastmasters so much? I've never hated Toastmasters. I'm a huge fan of Toastmasters. Their purpose is not to develop professional speakers. That, that's all. So I do recommend Toastmasters for somebody to go and get the basic skills, get comfortable in front of an audience, build up some confidence, build up some basic skills. And then once you can feel confident in front of an audience, then you go and you get the proper training to craft that talk in a way that actually converts and deliver it with the skill and the tactics and the strategy to make it convert. Yeah, that, I love that. And what a great place to start. And then when someone is kind of maybe a little bit further along, They've given some talks. Mm -hmm. They're comfortable in front of a room, maybe a small room, maybe a medium-sized room, maybe a big room. And they're, they're trying to, to turn that into something that they can monetize. What are the places that they can plug into what you're doing where, where they can get some help? Yeah, stevelowell.com is the place. So <laughs> just just go to my website, stevelowell.com. There's all kinds of great strategies there. There's there's uh, some downloads there. There's courses there. Everything from you know ninety seven dollars up to a hundred thousand dollars, and everything in between is there. And and one of the things that they'll see there that we do ongoing is called the Art of the Signature, Art of the 100K Signature Talk five-day challenge. And this is something that we do uh, several times a year and it's, it's free. And it's a five-day challenge that we run and it, you know, you, you come in the, uh, at 9 a.m. till 10, I think, or 9.30 till 10.30 a.m. for five days. And we go through the art components of the 100K Signature Talk. And by the end of that, you've got a pretty good idea of what's required to develop and deliver a talk that converts and whether or not it's something that you want to pursue. And of course, there's an offer there if you want to work with us. There's some things that, that you can do to make, make that happen. Um, 
but that's where I would go, not only because, um, you know, I'm biased, it's, it's my website, but the other thing is that 90% of what we find in, in my content is unique to me. It's, uh, you know, we mentioned this, I mentioned this to you before, Steve, I take an awful, awful lot of times I will take a contrary position to common knowledge. Because for me, in my years and decades of working this out, common knowledge didn't work for me. You know, I re- I would read, do an offer this way. I would do it that way over and over and over and over. It didn't work. So I would say, well, what if I do that exact opposite of what they're saying? I do it the exact opposite and it works, right? So a lot of my content is very much opposite to what you're going to hear elsewhere. So I think stevelowell.com is a pretty good place to start. And then if it doesn't resonate with you, um, just look up, you know, Google speaker coaches. There's a myriad of them everywhere. You know, anybody who can fog a mirror oftentimes claims to be a speaker coach. But what I would do is make sure that if you hire somebody to teach you how to speak, particularly to monetize, make sure that they are actually doing what they say they can do, right? Make sure they have done it themselves. Make sure they've got the background, the track record, um, because a lot of people, it's just like a lot of other industries, Steve. I know, you know, I, I've met people who offered to publish my book and have never done it, never written a book themselves, you know, and so just make sure that whoever you're working with has that background to substantiate what they're teaching you on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Steve, this has been phenomenal. Um, we could probably go on for hours and talk about this topic. Um, and I think we've given everyone listening um, some things to think about as they approach speaking uh, you know, as a business development tool. And so folks, go check out stevelowell.com. We will link that in the show notes. Check out the challenge uh, when it's offered. And uh, I guess you'll, you'll have dates there on the website for when the, the next upcoming challenge will be so folks can find it there and um, get connected with Steve and, and uh, get plugged into to what he's doing. He will transform your speaking. Steve Lowell, thanks so much for being on the podcast with us. Well, it's my privilege and I want to congratulate you on the enormity of your success and the work that you're doing. And, uh, and I got to mention this again, uh, to, I don't know if your, if your listeners and, and viewers know this about the kit that you sent out, you know, the box you send out. I've been on hundreds of podcasts uh, and I never received a gift package like that. It was excellent. It was outstanding. You're a true professional and a credit to your field. So uh, I'm honored to be part of this. Thank you, you for that. And you're welcome for the, the package. Glad you enjoyed it. And uh, great to see you, my friend. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bringing in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.